0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson. I uh, managed
1: to screw up the entire station while I was listening for my clips, and I apologize to all those people and all of the guys running around. I thought only I could hear them. I'm sorry, guys. I really am. Um... So this is the Liberty Hour, and here's the thing. I couldn't help but notice over the last few days, um, I did my show on Sunday night uh, where I'm here with Macbeth, and when we're doing the show on Sunday night, I have a tendency, because I don't have the kind of time I have here, where we can articulate the benefits of Trump and the withdraw or the problems, or the pullbacks, or the three steps back with Trump. So what I want to do is mainly combat the fact that there's a tribalism happening And it has been happening for, really, since the nominee. Um, And I find it difficult that we we keep doing what the bourgeoisie socialists do, which is turn to government to solve all of our problems, in the face of the absolute and total failure, in the face of what we recognize as corruption, as pay-to-play, as favoritism, as the exploitation of special interests, as kind of the, the foundations we fight of socialism, Happening to now what is called um, Trumpism or conservatism under the Trump regime. And that is where special interests benefit at the needs of many. And, and the news release yesterday, I'm going to get into the climate report. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the fact that there's really virtually no difference um, in the approach other than uh, where the pressure points of management should be, whether the, the percentages of taxes should be. There is no question, ladies and gentlemen, that cap-and-trade is coming to a gas station, to an income tax near you. It is going to happen. We are going to implement the very Obama cap-and-trade dream of not just Al Gore, but of Hank Paulson, who at the time cap-and-trade was being created was a fundamental investor here in Chicagoland. The, uh, the exchange was going to really be owned and operated by both Republicans and Democrats, and that's who was going to profit. Don't worry, the government was going to get their cut. But like every other one of these green energy scams, it was just going to be a cut so that they could fit in the corrupt uh, political apparatchiks that they guarantee, whether it's Sean Kasten, the the new congressman, and his fake green green energy jobs, or whether it's the GM Volt. Remember the Volt? It was going to be the rage. The Volt was going to be the rage, and what... The vote is one of the main reasons GM now is going to lose 15% of, uh, of its workforce. That, in conjunction with the organized labor extortion unions, in conjunction with the government keeping it alive when it should have collapsed back in 08, at the cost of all of us. So what has happened to me is that we have morphed into losing our principled arguments against the bourgeoisie socialists. In fact, all we want to do is uh, articulate the, where the different pressure points should be. And mainly to, to get on to my point about how we have turned into the Democrats. Here in Chicago, there's a real fraud by the name of Bobby Rush. He's an ex-Black um, Panther from the 60s who realized, why should I be a gangster when I could be a politician and get a pension? Implementing the same philosophies, the same uh, uh, point of view, and moreover, the same intimidation through these... These protests and through articulating exactly why companies are not that owned by themselves. In fact, they're owned by we the people. So I want you to hear the report that was given on uh, WGN.
2: I am here outside of Target, where Congressman Bobby Rush has been out here for the past four hours. You can see him actually standing there right now in the light cap. He is. Um, out here leading this group of protesters who are calling for Target, a boycott of Target. They don't want people to spend another cent here inside Target because they say Target is basically disinvesting on the South Side communities. They plan to close this Target here in the Chatham. We're at 85th and Cottage Grove. They also plan to close another Target on 115th Street in Morgan Park. And they're getting people, you know, just by force of pressure to... Turn around and walk away. Of course, a lot of people are still going inside, but they've been out here since 7 o'clock
1: this morning. Now, Bobby Rush, uh, during his interview, he basically said, look, they cannot close these stores because this neighborhood needs them. And at that point, he is admitting to you exactly whose stores those are. Regardless of the profitability, regardless of how the store is, is being run or how the store is producing in conjunction with the company platform, that doesn't matter. It is because it is part of the people. And see, this is how this is how it contorts to where Trump comes in. Because Trump basically is saying the same thing on GM. Now, listen, i got to tell you, before I hit these clips, um, they're marked Trump one. One's about climate, one's about the car. So I'm going to try and get the right one.
0: I spoke with her when I heard they were closing. Yeah. And I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. You better get back in there soon. That's Ohio. And you better get back in there soon. So we have a lot of pressure on them you have senators you have a lot of other people a lot of pressure they say the Chevy Cruze is not selling well I say well then get somebody get a car that's selling well and put it back in so I think you're going to see something else happen there but I'm not happy about it their car is not selling well so they'll put something else I have no doubt that in a not too distant future they'll put something else they better put something else in
1: That should send a shiver up your spine because there is virtually no difference aside from a a certain articulation of the English language between what Bobby Rush is saying and what Donald Trump is saying. And the baseline of what they are both saying is these companies exist for the people, not for themselves. This is the argument I have been hearing since the implementation of the penalty of consumption called tariffs on steel and aluminum and whatever. This is about government controlling property. See, this property, these are both properties of these individual corporations. Regardless of shareholders, regardless of what they do, their function, this is not something that the government, these are active politicians who are basically threatening threatening private industries. 312-642-5600. I forgot to give out the number. Um, give me a call if you care to chime in. And listen, I've been, I like the fact when people call me up and they say, no, 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 you're wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me why Donald Trump gets to do that to GM. Tell me why we get to do that to American steel or why we get to do that to aluminum. Because here's the reality. This could full very well. And I think it is, in fact, because companies forecast. They don't just sit around and, you know, it's not like the state jobs here in Chicago, where they sit around and say, yeah, I know I should probably plow that, but I'm not going to. Companies have to be in front of the market. They have to use their intelligence, their experience, and their expertise in forecasting and positioning themselves for profitability. That's the difference between company and government. The problem we have is we've lost what that means anymore, because there's people out there nodding, saying, yeah, that's damn right. You GM people, you better come out with it. And to a certain extent, that's what happens when you give them money. This is why it was wrong when Barack Obama gave them money. It was wrong when really all he did is follow the Bush plan. George Bush was the, was the real catalyst of, of the Tea Party, the catalyst of, wait a minute, what is happening here? And I want you to realize what's happened in the pretend fight we've had against the socialists. You understand the, the frustration I have is that we're losing because we're adopting their principles. I like Donald Trump for many, many things. You know, I keep feeling like I have to say this because as I'm on Twitter and as I see, uh, you know, what are you, a never-Trumper, and I'm put into the category of a Bill Crystal neocon extraordinaire fraud. No, 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 he's not. And, and prior to Trump begin, coming into office, I loved his foreign policy position. I think he's done, by the way, I think he's done some good things with foreign policy. But what you do is you negate all of that when you take over and manipulate the economy. Because, listen, the difference between our country and all the others is that we're supposed to be a country of, of property. We're supposed to be a country of liberty. And when you, when you have politicians invoking power with innuendo and backhanded threat, that is an assault on that property. And I find it to be particularly um, conflicting when you see all of the outrage on, on all of the uh, conservative news programs about Twitter and Google and Facebook. So on, on one hand, you want to take the people and teach them how to run those countries. I mean companies, excuse me. You want to turn the company's uh, policies over to, to the masses. That's Venezuela. And the guy who really was so disappointing this Sunday to me was Ben Sasse. Because, listen, I w- I've been around when Ben Sass, he was supposed to be our uh, our guy down in Texas, Beto O'Rourke, right? He was supposed to be uh, the rising star. And for conservatives to say, listen, it's about time we combat these old 70 hacks who have sold us down the river with guys who are part of the Freedom Caucus and guys who understand liberty. And uh, Ben Sass was on the Sunday shows, and when asked to point Position about really what is my f- the favorite weapon of the socialist is a game we used to call in neighborhood heads I win tails you lose climate change, so Ben Sass, the the rising star of conservatism is asked by uh, Chris Wallace Mike Wallace's kid, um the the climate report has come out now rather than focus on the fact that this climate report in particular is a political document that this climate report is invoking it's really a rehash of. Uh, Inconvenient truth, for that matter. It's, it's, it's a rehash of the dogma talking points of the eco-Nazis. This is what he could have done, and he could have pointed to the fact that for 50 years of these, these uh, hyperbole of this hysteria on paper telling us that the sky is falling, this chicken little, that for 50 years their predictions have been wrong. He could have invoked Al Gore in 2009, who told us by 2016 that America would be a frying pan. In fact, I think it's God's way of giving Al Gore the finger. He's made it two of the coldest years in the last 70. But here's what Ben
0: Sass's retort was to that question. I think the real question, though, becomes what do you do about it? Because you can't legislate or regulate your way into the past. We have to innovate our way into the future. And right now you don't hear a lot of the people who put climate as their number one issue. You don't hear a lot of them offering constructive, innovative solutions for the future. It's usually just a lot of alarmism. Uh, but I think the report is important, and it shows that the climate is changing.
1: So what he's saying by innovation is what exactly does does that mean? Is that that's government-funded innovation. See, that's the door. This is the game of of a, a unicorn, of a fantasy, of a threat, of something happening that we all would like to solve, in particular if it's real. And there's nobody that doesn't want to solve the problem if we had the ability to do it rather than um, reviewing the actual data, right? But this is a great weapon. This global warming scam is a phenomenal weapon. That's why, you know, it was tried in Germany in the 30s. This is about saying the government can control and can do this better than than the people can, number one. Number two, that the government data of which we paid for, this is data we paid for. This is a conclusion we wanted to have. Because the end result is exactly, by a conservative standout, is innovative, innovative. So it's more of that fake industry. And as you keep taking money out of the economy, as government keeps controlling money, you're going to get the companies like GM, where you're putting off the failure for five years and five years and five years at insurmountable debt and outrageous amounts of money that, by the way, it's being wasted because if it doesn't produce a value, it should go away. It is the number one principle of what capitalism and what property is. And here's the other thing. How many other good car companies and true innovators are, are GM holding back? And how many true innovative companies are being stifled because Ben Sass and his cohorts get to pick the winners and losers? And here's what
0: else he had to say in the follow-up. I think the first part about Chinese investment does show part of the way forward. The U.S. needs to have a long-term investment and innovation strategy. That's true, um, but things like the Paris Climate Accords tend to be more binding on us than on other nations, and so that's not good for the U.S. consumer, and it's not a long-term solution.
1: So that's a cornucopia, because on one hand, he wants you to follow the example of China because they have investment in this field, right? So now we're going to model our solution to the to climate change versus arguing the principles and fundamentals of it, number one. But number two, we're going to model our approach to solving it after China. Really? Well, what is China? But a a communist hybrid country, as we've all, all discovered, as everybody knows, that the only way you're going to be rich in China is if you're part of the government. How is that different than what is happening here? How is that different than what has been happening over the last 18 years hardcore here? And the answer is it's not. It's not at all. In fact, what the only thing that's changed is the opposition to this kind of totalitarianism. It's our opposition to this totalitarianism. And, I, you know, it, I remember the nice thing about Barack Obama was that it did bring us together as conservatives, as capitalists, as people who understood the, putr- the, the true benefits of liberty. The truisms in Americanism. Right? The fact that it is what put the citizen ahead of the government. We have been engulfed, and we're losing this argument because what they have managed to do is implement those very things that brought us together, and now Republicans are starting to sound like Barack Obama. Republicans. There's that famous Barack Obama speech where he said, you could build a coal fire plant, um, but it'll bankrupt you. I think I actually have it. Do I have it here?
0: Uh, let me see.
2: We're not supporting coal. coal. No coal plants here in America.
0: So, if somebody wants to build a coal power plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them because they're going to be charged a huge sum for all that uh, greenhouse gas that's being emitted. Which would you honestly see? But wait a minute. What if that sum was
1: in the name of research, like Ben Sass wants? What if that sum, which what we've this is, by the way, what we've been doing to oil companies, we've been charging them a, a tax so that a portion of what the, their profit can go towards alternative energy. And this shows its head in payoffs for ethanol. This shows its head in subsidies and mandates and regulation. See, we all know this. Here in Illinois, we are going through a major snowstorm. Uh, uh, it was a night where they, they knew the weather was coming. It was going to snow eight inches. And I just drove here today, and the roads are not plowed. Why? Government knew what was going to happen It knew what was coming. It has the workforce. It has the infrastructure. It has the trucks that we keep buying year after year. They cannot do it because it doesn't matter if they do. They have the job for eternity. It's like green energy. Green energy is a weapon that has been used against the American people for 20 years' hard time and for 40 years in preparation. Green energy is the reason. And I love, oh, gas is low. Yeah, but it's still 80 cents higher than it should be. Because of all of the green energy penalty taxes. All of the so-called uh, uh, tariffs of progress. So, sure, it's low, but it's because you're used to being beat up. It's not low. You're not being treated fairly. You're just used to the abuse. You just want that, neck, that boot on your neck moved around that, that Obama talked about. It's not that you want it removed. I want it removed. Because here's the reality. Whether it's GM, whether it's uh, green energy, until we get this, this corruptible, collective failures, by the way. And, and if you think I'm wrong, look at the, the resume of these congressmen. Failures. And, and real this is real organized mafia extortion is in Washington, D.C. Until we move this boot around, until we get it off our neck, you're not really going to be able to rebuild. We, here, I, I, I almost relish the fact that for the last uh, 48 hours, because of the reality of the fact of what's happened to the House, we started talking about the debt again. We started talking about spending again. Because, quite frankly, for two years... We didn't do that. Quite frankly, for two years, we just sat by and said, I think it'll be fine if only everyone will agree to follow one guy. I think everything is going to be fine. That's not really what happened. In fact, what's happened is we've been outflanked, and we've been engulfed by, by the slow cook of an accepted fraud in gl- climate change. It is an accepted fraud and a failure. And we're drowning in it because... This is Ben Sass. He's supposed to be the next guy who's going to save everything. He's not. He's just a fallible guy. And when you go on OpenSecrets.com and you pull up the contributors to Ben Sass, you see the same people, the same groups. Because now you've got, you've got Wall Street invested in this. In fact, you've got Wall Street not only invested, but predicting that these companies will be stronger. These companies will be higher. And we're losing on that argument. But what's the other favorite pillar of torture, of tyranny, pillar of socialism? Socialized medicine. Socialized medicine. So you've got socialized medicine, and you've got green energy, and these are the assaults. This is the Normandy of where they're going to seize away your liberty. And I hear, but no resistance to this. And, you know, the Republicans had two years. John McCain really did it to us. There's no question about it. But they could have brought it back again. Here, you're in this lame duck time. What are you doing? What are these Republicans doing? Are they just too busy clearing out their offices to put in some safety valves that may act as stops of of an agenda where it's going to be government running every aspect of our life? They've got their favorite weapon in heads I win, tails you lose green energy. They've got their other favorite weapon in everybody has a right to health care. I don't even know what the hell that means. What do you mean you have a right to health care? Well, then do you have a right to, I mean, don't you have an obligation to be healthy? See, how, does, how, does, how do they conflict, and yet somehow they're both rights? So in other words, you could be a drug addict. You could be 600 pounds. You could do whatever you want, and, and all the healthy people have to pay for that cost. And that's your right. But it comes at what expense to the others? This is the problem when you have special interests. And even if those special interests are a lot of people, it's still a special interest that can only exist and can only thrive at the cost of all of us others. And it is being uh, it is being adopted by both sides. I believe this is Nancy uh, Pelosi, but I'm not sure. Hold on.
2: I said, "Want the I ain't order no braces. The don't
1: order no." Oh no, no, no. Here's, here's this is what I want to. Do. So, Nancy Pelosi, who was kind of ironically the last 12 months a hold off, a hold off on um, Medicare for all. Now that's completely changed. In fact, she's going to walk into the uh, Speaker of the House position because the way that she's compromised with the radical Democrat socialists the people have sent to the House, is that she has now said openly that, in fact, that should be the plan to stop the failure of Obamacare, which most of us are experiencing, which companies are, are being drowned, their profits are being um, lost, and they're hoping for subsidi- subsidies. From That's the game, right? Just subsidize everything and it'll go away. And the fact that Obamacare has thrown premiums up 400%, All we're trying to do now is figure out how to subsidize the people rather than curb that. Now, her answer is Medicare. Now, Medicare, it is not something that has just been on 60 Minutes once or twice a year for the last 20 years, but 40% of all Medicare expenses are fraud. 40%. It's almost an unbelievable amount of money. In fact, it is, because it's $200 billion as of 2016. Those are the 16 numbers. What do you think they've been for the last uh, uh, two years? It's never gone down. That number of waste and fraud has never gone down because what Medicare system has managed to do is deceive the elderly, take advantage of the desperate, and corrupt the provider. So this is a story that I had uh, Mr. Producer Man cut, and the reason that I had him cut it is because it really was an old woman who – was sent a piece of mail and answered it. Got a phone call and answered the phone call. And she received... Well, I'll let her tell you.
2: I said, what in the devil? I ain't ordering no braces. The
3: doctor ain't ordering no braces for me. They've not only sent you one, but two, but three. You only have two ankles. And what am I going to do with three? Plus, when it comes to her doctor that she says she regularly sees...
2: I asked him about braces and stuff. He said, right now you don't need it.
1: So you have a system... That takes advantage of, of, of desperate people, of people who are elderly, of people who answer their phone. And you know who pays for those three braces? You do. I do. The population does. This is a, this is a sidecar of corruption. Everyone's worried about the, the black market drug trade. This is open market thievery. And this is a market where you're paying for it. This is, and where I got this example was from a Florida news station. See, I, saw, I go down to Florida quite often, and it's a shame how, how the old people in Florida are taken advantage of. And the, the main way that they're taken advantage of is through healthcare, because they're, they're nervous. They're at the end of the road here, and they're susceptible. And sure, somebody calls them up. Hey, do your ankles hurt? Yes. All right, do you have, have Medicare? Are you on Medicare? Yes. Okay, great. Well, we have a benefit here that's free to you, but it's not free to us. And it's blind profit. Not only that, it's competition-free. All they need to do is get the person. That's all you got to do. And what's worse is that they're getting the doctors. They're getting the doctors. So it's obviously Medicare fraud. Our tax money is
3: paying that. And our taxpayer money also paying on Berta's oh. case, as Medicare paid more than $2,700 when it comes to all of these braces she got. What's wrong with Medicare? They should have picked it up, something is going on. As for Medicare, a representative said they are aware of the ongoing scheme and we are working with our contractors, law enforcement, and other stakeholders to address the matter where appropriate. After Sandy filed a complaint with the state, the company who sent the braces to Emmett did refund Medicare. But Sandy says her fight is not over. That was the biggest reason for me calling you is because I'm thinking if it's happening to them, it's happening to hundreds or thousands of other people. As for Berta, her family says they did report the supplies as fraud to Medicare, but the calls haven't stopped.
2: Believe it or not, they called me a couple of weeks ago about braces. I said, I don't need no braces. And I hung up my phone.
1: So I'm looking to see braces come again. They called her back. They were caught. They called her back. I mean, when you think this is one lady, times her By 100 million people. And that's what's happening now. What will happen when we all have it? When every single one of us has it. Listen, this is the the kind of thing. Get in on it. Create one of these companies. Go ahead. Fund it. Because who's investigating it? All government people. This is one big, massive black hole of failure. And they're selling it to you through the fear of your health rather than focusing on how to really help how how to really help the people who need it is to incentivize the provider because what goes along here is that the doctor in fact has been corrupted i think i have this clip
3: Let's see. We went looking for one of the prescribers and found nurse practitioner Stephanie Holcomb working out of her Washington D.C. home. I'm Diane Wilson with ABC 11. We're looking. Holcomb was the first to prescribe a heel stabilizer and an ankle brace for Berta. You know how your name's getting on these orders? Yeah. So I work for a telemedicine company. Okay. And so I have patient prescriptions
1: for those. She gets paid fifty dollars. She gets paid fifty dollars. There's your doctor. to write a prescription. She could give a shit where it goes. She makes her cut. The company makes its guaranteed profit. The lady gets stuff she doesn't need. And you, sucker, pay for it. That's Medicare. But if they wanted to help this woman, if they truly wanted to help elderly, how do you do it? It's really quite simple. Incentivize the provider and the provider only. How do you incentivize the provider? You could actually incentivize the provider... Without giving him a check, you could incentivize the the provider by giving him a tax benefit on his other practice. Can you imagine what kind of people you'd have if you'd have the best doctors giving you this kind of uh, service? Because they're the ones that pay the most taxes. So if you said to a bunch of healthcare providers, doctors, neosurgeons, orthopedic specialists, all of them, and you said, listen, here's what we're going to do. Your tax rate is 35%. That's what you pay on your money. Now, we understand you probably bill... You're the best of the best of the best, right? You've got Jaja Gabor and her whole family going to see you, so you're probably going to make $7 million a year. How about if you donate uh, 100 hours a year, we're going to take that 35% and make it 25%. And if you donate 200 hours a year, we're going to make it 20%, and we'll make it 15%. Now you've got the best of the best of the best donating their time, because they don't want to pay that 35%. Because you know what this doctor, this last health care provider who sold her prescription, who sold her name for $50? Not only is she a lowlife, a fraud, pretending to be somebody she's not, she probably sucks at being a doctor. Because if she didn't, she wouldn't have to sell it for $50. This is the nice thing about political prostitution right now. At least it's reasonable, right? You get a congressman to eat a banana and crap a fruit salad for a $5,000 donation. At least they're not breaking the bank. The problem is you've got a system that is so corrupted it has overtaken the honest system. And you've got, a, you've got a population so browbeat, so downtrodden, they're turning to the abuser for help. And that's what you see in this GM. And that's what you're starting to see in healthcare. You're starting to see the, the, the resistance to health care talk about mitigating the, the failure of it rather than removing it from our system. Because we have now forgotten, those of us who have been struggling, me my 2000 a month, which, by the way, I'm quitting. 2000 a month. I, I, I forgot what it's like to pay $500, which at the time I was upset about. At the time I was upset about the $500. This has happened to society. And you see it in corporations, in businesses. That's why their health care that they give to their people, now it's garbage. It's garbage. Barely covers anything. It's $5,000 deductible. Because they can barely afford that. So that's turn up the water at a slow boil, and the lobster will stop screaming. This is what you have when you have Ben Sass capitulate. This is what you have when you have Donald Trump make an argument for GM that sounds a lot like Bobby Rush's argument against Target. I think it's crucially, crucially important that we start to reestablish a, a, a principle of where we're looking at things, not for the self-interest of my uncle, of your uncle, of me, of you, but for the self-interest, for the benefit of what built the country, is property rights. It's really quite simple. It's property rights. Now, here's the other thing. When you're pulled off into this kind of every ba- everything is bad against Trump, when you're pulled off into this kind of assault by what has really in- inputted this socialism in our agenda, the media, where he really has only but one place to turn, Fox News. Then you do what I'm watching happen to us, and that is you you start to defend the guy instead of criticize certain points. I think it's important that we recognize there are some major, major benefits to Donald Trump, and the number one right now is his immigration issue. Now, I personally think immigration should be a streamlined effect. In fact, I think immigration was solved in 1986 with the Simpson and Mazzoli bill. In fact, I know it was, because I happened to read it. It's a great bill. It is the bill that they, at the time, Democrats used to con Ronald Reagan. What that did is it solved the border issue. It's the reason they called it a fence back then. It's a reason it was predicated upon the building of a fence. It's the reason it was predicated against penalizing those companies that hired the illegal worker. It also had in there an e-verify. It wasn't called that, but it was a certain certifying the worker through government agency, through, at that time, a card. Now, the technology was far different then. Now it would be even easier. But what you have is we have allowed for 40 or 30 years, we have allowed politicians to not implement the very laws they passed, which makes you think, what, what, why do we have them do it anymore? Well, if we, why can't we say as a population, if you're not going to enforce your laws... Why would you we pretend by creating a new one you're solving this old problem? I have yet to see a Republican come out with the Simpson and Mazzoli bill and say so you do realize the Simpson and Mazzoli bill does secure our border. We really don't have to pass anything. No. I understand you haven't funded it. Well, That's your fault. That's your fault. Because when you can fund anything you want, pick and choose, and you're, you're fighting wars that are undeclared, and you're funding it with trillions and trillions of dollars, there's no excuse. I think... What, what has happened is that what Eisenhower said is that the only time that this kind of atrocity, when these, when these institutions are in place that can corrupt the citizen, the only thing that, that prevents it is an informed citizen. And the fact that they've come up with a system that keeps you against the ropes, keeps you on defense so much, you can't be informed on everything and they've implemented costs and taxes and laws and rules and regulation on you that you've lo- we, we've lost. And my concern is we're going to lose bigger because our answer to it is to, is to capitulate with it, is to manage it better. Let's go to Bob, Buffalo Grove. Bob, thank you so much for calling the Liberty Hour. How are you, buddy? Bob, are you there? Hello? Hey, guys. Boys. Look at these guys. Bob, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Bob? Can you hear me now? Now I can. Can you hear me? me? I got you,
2: babe. Okay. Right. We've been hearing this number, $32 trillion. I sent this message to Amy and Dan Proft a couple of months ago. And I, I know Amy can't do uh, math, so I worked the math out for her. $32 trillion for 10 years. That comes up to be thirty-two, three $3.2 trillion per year. That number still doesn't mean anything to the average person. Uh, but the math is pretty simple. So uh, um, I got I to yeah. ask
1: you a question, because I didn't. You know, we had that communication issue in the beginning. When you say thirty-two trillion dollars, you hear this number. Are, uh, w- what are you basing that on? Are you? We're not saying that. that
2: that's the study that they that uh, I hear it mentioned in the media by uh, I don't know wh- whether it's the Republicans in or regards the in and, regards
1: to the data or in regards to the cost? What do you? We, no,
2: the uh, uh, the health care costs. Oh yeah. Uh, in yeah. terms of uh, for health care for all.
1: Yeah, and here's the other thing. You know that, that fascinates me, Bob? Why is it that they keep sticking the fort in the light socket? I mean, you we have Medicare since the 60s. Medicare yep. since the 60s, this is a black hole of failure that each and every year politicians run against. They don't run for it. Even the Democrats run against it, and they run against these fundamental principle changes that never seem to happen, right? But yet... The answer, when you have this, this issue, you've implemented this failure in Obamacare. It is killing the society. It has destroyed health care providers. You know, I, I laugh every time they forget to mention we've lost over 30% of doctors. 30% of doctors have said, I'm not doing this shit. And they're gone. Can I,
2: can I work out the math for you? I just want to show, show you this. Yeah, go right uh, ahead. Nobody taught. I like math. So we take the, thir- we take, take the $32 trillion, And it really is fairly simple. We have 320 million people in the country, roughly. So 3.2 trillion divided by 32 million, you just gotta remove the zeros. And we come up to $10,000 for each and every person. Therefore, for a family of four, the cover of the medical medical costs would be uh, $40,000 per family. Well, no, no way can they
1: afford that. Well, I, can I tell you, so, Bob? The nice thing about a podcast is that I don't have to go to a commercial, so I can talk to you. Can I tell you something? I have, I am this guy. I have this family of four. I am the guy that never went to the. I still have never gone to the doctor. But you have kids, and you have a wife, and you know, women they they have to go to the doctor. They want to go to the doctor. But what you've done is that you've made it so you have cost me out of pocket. I watched my deductible go from five hundred dollars to fifteen thousand dollars. Okay. I watched yep. my premium go from $502, which I, by the way, Bob, I complained about. I complained about it constantly. I've watched it go to $2,200. I've gotten guys who, who are involved in the show, who I love. See Steven Tucker and the other guy. I love these guys. Come out to my store, and they, they give me premium costs. You know, it's 2400 They want me to go up $200 if I change it. Now, here's the other thing. Why do I need it? Because I'm paying $15,000 anytime something goes wrong. And I just had that. My wife had, had a bunion with, with a bone spur, so we had the doctor said, "You know, you got one on the other foot. We got to get both." Okay, I said, "How much is this cost, doctor?" He said, 3500 a foot." I said, "Okay, so that's seven thousand dollars. My premium's fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. I paid for the. I paid for the freaking thing anyway. All that twenty two hundred a month. You did nothing for me. Nothing. So this is the game because that number forty thousand. You're dead on, baby." And, that, and that's, that's average. So all they got to do is figure out how to extract it and how to move it from one family that doesn't use it to one family that does do it. And here's the other thing, Bob. You know what this makes the politician? It makes them God. Because I worked my whole life, Bob. This is my third job where I come here and do this. And thank God the people at AM560 gave me a chance. This is my third job. It doesn't matter because they're going to grind it away from me. $2,200 a month and a $15,000 deductible is a lot of money a year. Right? So now you've yep. made you've turned me into a slave. And by the way, I'm the guy that goes to the health club. I'm the guy that works out. I'm the guy that watches what I eat. I'm paying for some fat slob who's got his entire life given to him but from, from government. And he doesn't have to worry a damn thing about what, to, when, what his insurance premium is because he doesn't pay it. So you've now pitted society against each other. And how does it work every time you do that? The virtuous, the, the honest, they pay. They pay for the corrupt. So, what we need to do, Bob, you want to know what our answer is? Quit your insurance premiums. Quit your insurance premiums and just stop it. Because that's the only way you're going to change things. This is what Bobby Rush knows. Bobby Rush, the way he built a career was through what? Protest in mass. So, we need to get all the people who are doing life by the right, who are paying those premiums, who are playing by the rules, and just remember in the 60s how they burned their draft card? Burn your insurance yep. card. This is what we need to do. This is what I'd like to start. I'm telling you right now. I think it has to come from a conservative voice. I would love it if if Rush Limbaugh, I would love it in these these monster uh, nationally syndicated guys, uh, Mike Gallagher. I would love it if they took up this mantle and said, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, instead of coming and listening to the radio in between your jobs and sweating all the bills and doing all the things, take your Blue Cross Blue, burn it, and don't pay them anymore. That's how you shut it down because you've passed this law on less than 4% of society not having insurance, of American people not having insurance. 4%, that's it. Every other thing, and, and especially when you factor in that they're all covered, everyone goes to the doctor, and they get everything for nothing anyway, you go to the emergency room. That's why the immigrants are coming here. So what you have is you have the welfare system overtaking private sector. And the answer isn't government jobs, it isn't subsidies through GM, it isn't tariffs, the answer is to go back to what built the country. Actual liberty property rights, and freedom. And we're done, brother, because we're used to it now. Because what we're talking about right now, this can only be on a podcast, because this is radical. What I just said would be radical. The station would probably get blowback if I was on the terrestrial radio. So, Bob, thank you, by the way, for listening and for calling. I appreciate it. So when liberty becomes radical speech, you know what you've got? Servitude. You've got a slave nation. See, I used to laugh every time we would talk to economists, and they knew this. They knew it 50 years ago when you'd say, hey, we got a capitalist society, I'm
0: a capitalist.
1: No, you're not. The smart people in the room laugh at your dumb ass because you've got a hybrid of a socialist economy with a collective government running it. And if you think I'm wrong, look at what happens to those that fuck the government. How's that turn out? It doesn't turn out well. Doesn't turn out well because that's ultimate power. See, it's supposed to be representative republic. Poppycock. That's true BS now. Representative republic. Listen, what do you think Bob would do if Bob goes to his congressman and says, you know, I, I, I really uh, need your help with this, and, and uh, you know, maybe you could see what you could do to maybe get me out of this Obamacare circle. And, you know, yeah, I make above what I should for subsidy, but I don't want it. I just, I just want to be left alone. They'll laugh at him. Because this is what government realizes. When they, when they have you believing that you can turn to them and they help you and 60 years go by and you've been going to them and you've been trying to get help and they laugh at you, they know they got you. They know you're the servant. They know your liberty is gone. And they know that all they have to do is say that they have it, say that they have your back. And what really spurs this anger is that a saboteur to your beliefs is worse than an opponent. See, Orcasio cortez is wonderful to argue with, because she tells you, look, I'm a Democrat socialist. Bernie Sanders, listen, he's a Soviet. You didn't just honeymoon there when you weren't supposed to during the Cold War. He's a true Soviet. He knows, I'm I'm a a socialist, and I'm going to argue with you on your principle. Now we can have that discussion. But when our retort to that is Trumponomics, which is creditism, not capitalism, We are living in creditism, not capitalism. That's why the debt, that's why you could even pretend to provide this kind of health care benefit when you don't have the money. It's just, I wish it, so there it is. That's when you know that you're in a system that when you are speaking of liberty, you're a radical, and that's game over, baby. And there isn't no Galt, Gulch. John Galt is not a real guy. He's he's a, 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 a creation. A, a, a focal point of true liberty and freedom, something that we could teach our kids by. But the reality of our real world is you, you're going to be impugned by your own desire to succeed and by your own quest for freedom. So how do you beat it? You beat it through protest. You beat it through collapsing the system through your inability to produce. That doesn't matter for one guy. It doesn't matter for a guy who makes 200000 a year to say, you know what, I'm going to stop when I make 80 i am going to stop, and I'm just going to live like a regular Joe until it goes away, because I think maybe after this cycle or that cycle, no, no, no. This, this, What we're living through now is proof that Obamacare, the touchstone of social engineering, the pillar of socialism, the weapon of government to stay in power, it is its scepter of tyranny. It is here forever. We've had the chance. We've had the opportunity. We've had the ability. And at each time, we, they buy off the right guy. Whether it's that John McCain, which, by the way, the more I think about him with that thumbs down, I hope, I hope that's what St. Peter told him when he went to the gates. Thumbs down, dummy. Because what he did through that one action of two old men fighting over the last Cialis is make sure the yoke of tyranny is around our neck forever in this country. It isn't going anywhere. And all you're going to do is exactly what they do in Europe. Watch. As the, as the real class, by the way, the whole class structure is a joke, but the only time it really is implemented and the only time it really works is when the government is a socialist government, because then there's only two classes those in on the scheme and those victimized by the scheme. So maybe I'll go into that ankle bracelet business, huh? And we'll start selling it, we'll start giving it to the old people, and we'll just, just send it to the house and we'll build Medicare, because that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen, and you see it here in Illinois. What's the answer of the problems is what exactly? More spending, more power, more taxes. It is why the greatest weapon of tyranny is its own failure, because the more it fails, the more we turn to it. And the sad part is I had hopes for Trump. I really did. I really did. I, listen, I'll tell you what. We'll do tomorrow's show on how much money we've spent since, since the towers went down to now and how nobody cares we'll be here tomorrow at the same time, um, because I liked his foreign policy. What happens when he wins? We just keep funding this. What happens to Donald Trump? Businessman extraordinaire. On one hand, you want me to believe that this guy built and amassed a fortune in business, in constant success, and yet on the other hand, you want me to believe he's the same kind of guy who believes government should tell GM how many cars, what kind of cars, it should develop new cars, it should hire more people. Because that's what happens when we as a society hear a hint of tyranny in a proposed manipulated tariff and we shut up. When we hear a hint of tyranny in a, in a new scheme to borrow money and to hide credit and to fuel a GDP through government spending and we sh- shut up. Because why do you think he runs on the same infrastructure that Barack Obama ran on? And this is the beauty of Trump. This is why he's the greatest politician in the history of the country. He has seized... The mantle of socialism and sold it as conservatism. That could only be done by an extraordinary guy, and Trump is an extraordinary guy. And I'll tell you what—if uh, you think I'm wrong, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Damn it! Trump, 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 Trump! Oh, damn it! I had the Elvis clip. I wanted—I wanted the Elvis clip. It would have been perfect timing. Oh well. Uh,
0: Are you comfortable? I love Elvis. I I shouldn't say this. You'll say I'm very conceited because I'm not. But other than the blonde hair, when I was growing up, they said I looked like Elvis. you see that? Did you believe it?
1: That's beautiful. I always
0: considered that a great cop.
1: That's beautiful. You know who they are? They are the people who wanted a job. This is great. So here's the thing. we got two more years of this. And during these two years when the full fight happens, and it's a fake fight, ladies and gentlemen. It's a fake fight. All that's going to happen, you mark my words. We will borrow more, we will spend more, and we will tax more than at any time in history. And you will lose more liberty than at any time in history. But if we do it, we're going to do it by espousing the values and the true fundamentals of Americanism, which is liberty, and we're going to do that here on the Liberty Hour. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. We will be back tomorrow, 9.05. Talk to you then.